Trading Nut, episode 25. I want to buy at price points that make sense. So I'm looking for something to tank, to drop and rip and burn. The market's going to do something. Your job is not to fight it. The market never, ever runs away. It's always there. That personal diary of trading will make you a much better trader than... I could be right about the direction, but wrong about the trade. Don't focus on the monetary side. Trying to make too much money on a trade is what I have seen killed every trader. Your losses offer you some of the greatest insight you can find into your mistakes. Relax. Learn the process. Candlestick pattern trading is a freaking trap. Don't be in a rush to become a millionaire. Let the market tell you what the market wants to tell you. This podcast is not financial, trading, or investing advice of any kind. What's up, traders? Welcome to another installment. Not just another installment. It's episode 25. I can't believe I'm at episode 25 of the Trading Up podcast after I you know, initially set out back in, I don't know, two, three, three years, almost three years ago now, maybe even longer. I can't, I can't even remember to do the 52 Traders podcast. And now here I am on the second show, Trading Nuts, and we're 25 episodes in, which is half of the 52, well, there or thereabouts, um, of the 52 Traders podcast. Now, if you guys do want to check out some of those episodes, then they are up in the shop on tradingnut.com. You can get access to them or the full full podcast. You can actually download it to your mobile phone and listen to it like a normal podcast as well. So um, you get the show notes and videos and all that sort of stuff as well. So Go on and check that out if you're interested in filling your earbuds with a whole bunch of historical knowledge. And it is great stuff. It's all evergreen content, um, which means it just goes on forever. And it's just like a bit of a mini course, to be fair. Now, um, I went to the... Oh, before I get on to what I, what I was going to say about where I went in the weekend, today we've got a trader called Michael Storm coming up on the show. Fantastic interview. The guy is willing to share and does share an awful lot about what he does and how he does it. And the best thing about this is I was able to get him on a video call afterwards and we walk through the chart setups that he talks about in today's show. So guys, there'll be a link in the description or the show notes somewhere. Um, Go and check it out. It'll take you to either the YouTube channel and do make sure you subscribe there because I've got other videos coming up with other guests where we actually go through things on a chart so you can sort of really see what they've been talking about. So go over there, subscribe to the YouTube channel. Um, Yeah, we've got got Michael's video up there in the show notes and on the channel. Uh, So head over to tradingnut.com and you'll be able to find that there. Now, uh, so we've got that coming up. Trader from California, really, really fantastic guy and gives us an awful lot to take away in the show. And in fact, so much so that I'm probably going to have to get him back on again because we didn't quite get through um, all of the typical questions and i got so many more questions for this guy. Now, um, what else have we got going on here? So, yeah, so the weekend, the weekend that's just gone by, busy, busy weekend for me. So... Um, as you'll know from the previous episode, I'm off to Malaysia this week. Well, by the time you listen to this, I've probably come back. Uh, so if I did get to catch up with any of you guys out there, really would have enjoyed that. Um, I won't know until later on this week. But anyway, I'm recording this just before I go. Now, uh, busy weekend, out on Friday night, and um, I've got stories from that. But look, it was it was a big night. And then Saturday night... I went out to the Eminem concert. So Eminem was here in Wellington, little old Wellington, New Zealand, doing a concert in front of almost 50,000 people. So it was the biggest concert here. And at the end of the concert, 
like other than sort of coming away and feeling half deaf and actually I probably knocked about five years off my hearing um, and and thinking that, you know, me and my wife put the average age up of the crowd by probably about 20 years. Um, apart from those two things, it, I did get home and I was like, I've got to watch The Defiant Ones. Now, it was Chris, uh, oh, what was his name? Chris Capri, who was on the show in the 52 Traders podcast, he actually recommended I watch uh, this thing on Netflix, and it should be on Netflix still, wherever you are in the world, called The Defiant Ones. And it's uh, basically it's Dr. Dre and Eminem and their journey. Well, it's not just Dr. Dre and Eminem. It's actually Dr. Dre and, uh, and um, oh, what's his name? Um, oh, I can't remember his name. I Ovine or Jimmy, Jimmy Ovine, I think his name is. And anyway, it's those two guys and their journey into sort of success. Uh, and there's so many lessons there, and that's why Chris recommended I watch it. Anyway, there's one scene in there where Dr. Dre discovers Eminem, and it's a fantastic little scene on the last uh, episode of the series. I went in and watched it last night after going to the concert, and there's some lessons in there for us, guys. There's some lessons in there for us, right? So other than the fact you see the star born, you literally see it on video in the very first song recorded, the first few lyrics of the first song recorded in real time. It's incredible. Um, other than that, he talks. Eminem talks about the fact that he did that recording, went off, then Dr. Dre had all these barriers. No one wanted to sign him, and everything went flat, and Eminem got back home, and he was basically like, oh, here we go again. I thought I had it. I was so close. And it just didn't happen. And he goes, oh, I've had that so many times, so many times that, you know, I just thought this is another one of those times where I felt I was so close. And it, something came up and it just didn't happen. Now, I don't know about you guys, but I feel that way with trading a lot. I feel that I'm so, so close. I'm so close. I've like literally got it. I can grasp. I can see. I can feel. I can taste it. And then for whatever reason, it doesn't happen. It doesn't happen or I get too excited and it and it makes it not happen. Or there's some sort of self-sabotage going on, which for whatever reason, just stops it from stops me from getting to that next level. Now, I don't know if you guys are the same, but the lesson is that for whatever reason, it worked for him this time. And I think I think the lesson is it's about persevering and just carrying on and continuing and putting in the work, putting in the effort. And it was all down to work and effort and just really giving it a go. So guys, if you resonate with that, then please don't give up. Keep going. It's just a, it could be just around the corner, and it could just hit you when you just least expect it. So that's my word of advice for today's show. Um, other things that I've got going on, guys, I I finished off, and I'm so pleased I finished it off. The Robot Builders Club, which is a new course, and it's my sort of second iteration, my old stuff, which was automatemytrading.com. So basically, you can come on and learn to build a trading robot, like I do for the uh, Robot Traders Club. And you basically, yeah, you get to learn how to build it. So you get to learn exactly how I build these robots. At the end of it, you get a template robot, which has got essentially all the settings in from the Robot Traders Club, which includes news filters, NFP filters, partial exits, trailing exits, trailing stop exits, um, break-evens. There's tons and tons of stuff, along with some fantastic Wii strategies in there as well that you're going to learn 
and be able to sort of take with you and develop on in in the future to to create robots that are really powerful. So guys, if you do want to check that out, at the moment, the only way to get access to it is to send me an email. So send me an email, cam at tradingnut.com, and I'll let you know how to get an early bird access to that. It's not launched yet officially, but the bulk of the course is, is done and um, yeah, I'm really proud of it. So guys, if you want to check that out, then send me an email and I'll let you know how you can get access. Okay. All right, guys. I think that's enough from me. I've gone on for seven minutes here. That's enough for me. So let's head over to this interview with Michael Storm. Righty ho, folks. So I've got Michael Storm on the line here. How's it going, Michael? Um, can you remind me where where are you located at the moment? I'm in Connecticut, out in the middle of the frozen Arctic tundra of the Great Northeast. <laughs> it's, it's been pretty rough winter, I'll tell you. Sometimes uh, 32 degrees below zero with wind chills of about 46 below, so it's been pretty bad. Yeah, it's, it's funny. Uh, the tundra, I hadn't heard that word for so many years. I don't even think I've ever oh, yeah. heard it, really. And then um, my, mate moved to, well, my mate moved to Buffalo, and he's like just kept complaining about the tundra and like i'm like what the hell's a tundra um but yeah, yeah it's, it's like cold yeah um hey look it's so it's great to have you on the show i mean one of my listeners at same guy he keeps sending me some some great traders that he's found out there and he's like oh, i don't see any of the best um so he's he's classed you up there with the top two um so thanks david m for for sending me uh getting me in touch with with michael i've watched one of your videos on YouTube, and I've got to say, it's a very, very unique. I don't know how you know how you classify your style, but we'll get into that later on in the show. So, um, to start off with, do you want to tell the listeners how you how you first got into trading and, and your journey to date? Well, how I first got into it was uh, right around the year two thousand. I saw um, it was a little before that. I think I saw the smiling face of someone on the cover of Forbes, and this guy was a SOS bandit. You know, S O S O E S was it small order execution system. And uh, what he did is he found a little loophole where he could buy before the market makers could buy, and he could exit in a way that they pretty much had to take him before they could take anybody else. So the guy was consistently scalping uh, teenies and quarters off of thousand share lots. Way to make, you know, a million dollars in one year doing that. And, you know, they've since closed that loophole. You can't do that anymore, but uh, he, he had a good system there. And, you know, so as a small orders execution bandit, he made a million bucks and I was like, wow, look at that guy. He looks pretty happy. It's just sitting in front of the keyboards, pounding keys all day. And so it got me excited and I, I figured I would give it a try. And I, I um, wanted out of my business that I was in at the time, 70,000 into the stock market and I just went at it, you know, and I, and I didn't know what I was doing either. So, you know, that, that's a real problem. The first six months were really crazy. <laughs> Putting in mildly, I was just doing a tape, tape reading. You know, I read a couple of books on tape reading. And so I was just sitting there pounding 500 to 1,000 shares myself. And um, they were wild days, you know, $1,000 uh, $1, here and $5,000 there. You could make 10000 in one day, lose seven the next, make, you know, lose 15,000 one day, make 5,000 next. And just, it was all up and down all around. It was all over the place. So it was pretty crazy. 
But uh, after about a you know six months or a year of that, I finally figured out I needed some help. You know, so I started reading a lot of books, watching a lot of videos, um, going through DVDs, and you know, I found a trade room and I got myself into that trade room for about um, six years, and it was a very good one at the time. And, uh, you know, in the trade room, we learned who was good and who wasn't good. And we just kind of followed along and the moderator really helped us. And, uh, you know, so it taught me how about six years of doing that, it really taught me how to trade, you know. And then when I got into Forex, it was all different. So I, I had to relearn everything, you know. And, and so how did you make that transition from stocks to Forex? That's an interesting story. I, you know, I thought that I had everything pretty well figured out by the time I hit 2006, but... I was making money hand over fist by that time, and I was I was really spending money like a drunken Brazilian sailor. I'm just going to be honest. You know, there was about five or ten grand a day was easy, easy days, and uh, I'm spending money like mad. So what I did is I, I sucked all the money out of my trading account, and I only left about 30K in there. And I'm thinking, oh, I'll be fine. I'll be fine. I'll just ramp this up like, you know, no problem, just like I did in all the other years, you know. And uh, all of a sudden, wow, I took one bad trade. It was one bad trade. And um, it, it was this little podunk stock that went from nothing, like $2, and it went up to 4 and then 8 and then 16 And it just kept going for a couple of months. And it was hitting around $48 one day. Uh, it was around 10.30 in, the, 10.30 in the morning. It was called E-Futures, E-F-U-T was the symbol. And I got short like, um, I don't know, one or 2,000 shares, and then it blinked do a gap and crap play and I, I shorted a whole bunch more and before you know it I'm short like 8,000 shares and something went wrong uh, <laughs> with that stock at the time and and it was like the algorithms took over or the market makers took over I didn't know what the thing just started leaping like crazy and my account was glowing red and I was sweating bullets I mean you know heart palpitations uh, sweaty palms I was down you know like this, 17,000, 18, 20,000. I'm like, my count's only 30 and I'm down 20,000. What am I going to do? So at that point, I was freaking out. I hit the button, fill, fill it all, you know, just kill the whole trade. And I just watched it. And, and the spread was about a mile wide. It was about a dollar, uh, anywhere from 75 cents to a dollar spread at that time. It's crazy. And so when it was all said and done, 17 grand in about 10 minutes. So I was under the pattern day trader. Um, you know, rule with the New York Stock Exchange rule, and I, I could no longer trade. I mean, they blocked me out, so that was that. Yeah, I heard about that. So that you can only do a certain number of is that you can only do a certain number of trades during the day. Well, if you're a pattern day trader, you can just go all day long all you oh, want. Okay. But the minute you fall to twenty four thousand nine hundred ninety nine dollars and ninety nine cents, I mean, it's over for you. <laughs> they don't. You can't just get in and get out all day anymore. You, you're you're regulated, so you've broken the rules and you're done. And uh, so, yeah, you know, without the money, I you know, I had to go into something different. So, I, believe it or not, I just was like, well, okay, um, what else can I trade? And I started searching, and I found forex and. You know, then there was this four-year learning curve. I mean, I, I literally had to relearn from 2006 to 2010. I, I understood the price patterns and the, you know, the, the fundamental and, and technical analysis, but I, it was a different beast. You know, there's a lot of things I just didn't know. So, um, yeah, it took quite a while to learn it. And, uh, you know, I, I started a trade room, actually, by the time I, I learned how at 2010, I uh, started doing a trade room at that time. And, and then, you know, I got better as the years went by. I mean, here I am now, nine years later, and, you know, just trading Forex so heavily all of this time, 
it's it's really taught me um market makers can pretty much do anything they want (laughs) you can have bad news and the pound will just go up 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 and away and you can have good news on something else and and you'd think it would go up and the good news makes it crash and it just it's yeah it's really different but uh you know, I, I like it. It's very challenging, very, very rewarding. And, and so you didn't, I mean, uh, given the fact you're making, you know, money hand over fist on stocks it, and you had one bad day, what, how did you make that sort of transition? I mean, obviously it was a money constraint, but once you started making money again, or didn't you not ever get enough money to go back to, to feel confident or had, had your confidence been completely knocked? Well, no, it wasn't the fact that the confidence was knocked. It's and it wasn't the fact that I never got enough money. I mean, I certainly did over the years. I mean, you know, but the whole thing is stocks is so incredibly dangerous and so very manipulated. Most people don't really realize the reality of that. Like if you if you log into a a, a stock account, say in the morning, right? Um, like I use E Trade Pro for instance, but you could use finviz.com and check out all of their, uh, you know, their their gainers or decliners list. Right, so you have a 10,000 stock universe, roughly. Let's say 10,000 stocks, right? There's 200 and something trading days in a year. Let's say 250 just to, you know, uh, forget about Christmas and New Year's, okay? So, yeah, 250 days. You have five account killers every day and go like crazy. Now, if they gap and just run 24% or 50%, it's still pretty painful if you were short. But there's some of these things will, will gap up and they're up, you know, they'll run 100, 200, 500% in one day. You can see 500% gainers in one day. If you're short, you're dead. You don't have an account left, okay? And then there's crashers, like something might be trading at $24 one day um, and the next day it, it, it gaps down. It's trading at 16 and then takes off running for 10. So your account, if you were long, you're destroyed, if you look at the five account killers to the positive side and five account killers to the negative side, you've got 10 stocks a day that have the potential to, to wipe you out or damage you severely. And if you times 10 of those out by 250 trading days in a year, you're looking at 2,500 potential account killers every single year out of a 10,000 stock universe. So you really are looking at a one in four chance of getting severely damaged. <laughs> it's really bad, you know. And and it, it's not like you can do anything about it. I mean, your your margin is only four to one, and and you might be all in on a particular trade, and and you're just you're done for. So you, so you got to the point so where you I, sort of, I look at, sorry, go on. That's fine. I just look at stocks as very dangerous, and and uh, you know if I'm trading them, I I don't feel like being in them for eight thousand shares. You know, I just don't want to do that. Yeah. So so, so you got if I yeah. do stocks. So it was almost like playing Russian roulette, and you shares. and you got hit at one point. And then it's like, okay, yeah, that, that, there is the chance of that happening again. There's obviously, you know, you, you managed to, to find one where it just sort of went completely against you. And you did thought, well, let's go for something a bit more, um, less manipulated, would you call the Forex market? How do you, how would you? How oh, no, would it's, you... it's still manipulated, yeah, pretty, yeah. pretty heavy. Um, but at least things don't go that crazy. I mean, a black swan only comes along now, um, you know, maybe every once a year. You know, and if you go two years and you don't have a black swan, you know you're very overdue. Yeah. So you know you kind of anticipate that it's coming. Um, and I've I've learned from that. You know, 
uh, not to not to be involved. <laughs> I just I want to be as low as I can possibly get my trades down to. That's where I want to be. So you know if I'm trading if I'm trading let's say a ten thousand dollar account uh, with two hundred to one margin, I'll drop my position size down to the ridiculous. Put my bullets at 0. 0.05, which is really small. You know five micro lots, and um, you know I, I, how I trade is. I'm, I'm keeping, I liken myself to a doctor, you know, me and my trade room, we talk about this all the time and I'll, I'll, I'll joke with everybody in the morning. I'll say, good morning doctors, you know, and they're like, <laughs> and, but we are, we like, we want to put our, our finger on the pulse of the market, you know, and uh, the way I do that is I've got up eight monitors and I have 40 charts. I, I care about the Dixie, uh, DXY, US dollar index. I, I focus on that very heavily. And then I'll have four, well, actually five pairs that go with it. I'll trade TRY, MXN, NOC, SEC, and, um, you know, that's pretty much it. So I'll have one monitor devoted to the to the dollar pairs, okay? And then all my other monitors are devoted to something else. Like I have one monitor just devoted to the majors. So I'll have, um, you know, let's say the six majors will be up, like the Euro, uh, against U.S. dollar, the Swissy against U.S. dollar, Canada against U.S. dollar, pound, uh, New Zealand, and Australia. And on another monitor, I'll duplicate that very same thing, but all against yen crosses. Now I've got, um, I think we're up to three monitors now, right? We're up to 18 pairs yep. at the moment. Monitor, I'll put up like euro pound, and then it's mirror, which is the pound Swissy. You know, if euro pound is is tanking, usually the pound Swiss is going a lot a lot higher. Um, I'll put US Japan and I'll put gold. So because they're kind of like the mirror to each other, you know, they they will one will be up, one will be down. So that takes care of another monitor. I'll put my scorekeeper up there. And uh, another monitor that I'll use will have like say Euro New Zealand, Euro Canada, Euro Australia, and then right underneath that I'll do pound New Zealand, pound Canada, pound Australia. So I'm, I'm looking at correlated pairs, you know, and then far over to my right, I'll, I'll be putting up all the stock markets of the world, uh, oil, um, you know, just German DAX futures for some reason. I just like to trade that. <laughs> I don't know why. It's pretty painful. It'd be easier to trade the SPY, but I, I just like the DAX. It's got more bang for the buck, you know. And, um, yeah, so I, I, I put my finger on the pulse of the market, and I'm just watching the natural flow and watching the way everything's going, and, toggling time frames all day long you know every, i've got this little clock that uh, alerts me every time an hour is up you know a little alarm comes up and uh so i'll toggle all of my charts to one hour charts pretty much every hour without fail and see you know where are we you know what what hourly sells do we have what what hourly buys do we have you know what support is looming near and uh you know what major moving averages are riding close by so and you know, i'm, I'm 10 hours a day with my finger on the pulse of the market. Wow. That's the way I liken it. And so how did you, yeah. what, what intrigues me is how did you get to the point where you're like, I need to get eight monitors? Oh, that, yeah, that I knew right off the bat. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, the more monitors, the merrier. It's, it's, these days it's so inexpensive too. Like when I first got my first system, I mean, it was outrageous. These monitors were 400 a piece. But nowadays you could buy monitors for 100 you know, and my stands, um, you know, I remember paying like 300 or 350 and these days you can buy monitor stands for $100. Um, you know, just 
was maybe five years ago, I had spent $5,000 on a trading computer. And um, I just built one because the lightning struck it, you know, a couple of months ago. And I, I just built one for like 2000 2500 maybe. It was, it was very reasonable com- compared. You know, I was like half the cost and it's even faster. So, yeah, these days it, it just doesn't pay. You know, it, it's I liken it to working with, um, you know, say you're a, you're a ship surgeon, right, in the 1800s. It's old, crusty metal tools. You know, how are you going to perform brain surgery on a, on a patient when you've got all these crappy tools? You know, here we are in the year 2000 and above, right? It's, it's 2019. Say <laughs> we shouldn't have, you know, four monitors or six monitors. It, it just doesn't make sense. I mean, somebody trying to trade off of a, a laptop, it just, phew, man, doesn't make sense to me, you know? Okay, cool. So you, you're... you're you're basically got your finger on the pulse, and to do that, you need that many monitors, which I could imagine. Um, the thing that would would I might might struggle with is trying to decipher what it is you'd be looking at on each monitor. Would you like sort of zoom into one chart and then zoom back out, or like so you can see all eight again, or however many we had on each chart, uh, each monitor? Oh, let me talk about. I'll talk about my main monitor, the one that's right above my keyboard. You know, I'm typing all day, talking to my roommates all day, and this one is front and center and right in front of my face. It's it's uh, literally six currencies. Okay, it's the euro, dollar, pound, dollar, um, U.S. Swissy. Uh, it's the loony, you know, the U.S. Canada is the loony, and I've got the Aussie and the Kiwi up there. So I, I have those six pairs, but just to the left of that, on, on my main monitor number two, I have those exact same pairs, but against the Japanese yen, duplicated. So I can really see the correlations and the flow, strength in euro or weakness in pound, or you know, you know what I'm saying? Like, for instance... Australia and New Zealand, I mean, we know that they both tend to rise at the same time. So if the U.S. dollar is um, is is currently going, we know that New Zealand dollar will move in the other direction, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay, so if you have New Zealand going up and you have euro going up and you got pound all going up, well, it's it's simple. The U.S. dollar itself... Euro's gaining strength, and uh, and you have U.S. dollar weakening. It's going it's going down because USD is the last part of that uh, that equation. You know, it's pound is first, U.S. dollar is last. So I can see that flow on on just one or two monitors with the the strength, and they correlate together so well. Um, like I I might have said like five minutes ago, the mirror. I, I have the euro pound up, and I have the pound Swissy up. I can literally gauge the strength of the euro versus the pound by looking at that euro pound. And if euro pound just keeps on rocking down, down, down on a 15-minute chart, it just keeps going down. Well, I, I know right there you know, that euro is extremely weak and pound is very strong. I don't even need anything else to tell me. But when I look at all the other monitors that strength and weakness. So I, I think it's something It might be hard to explain it at first, but anybody that jumps from, you know, trading, let's say, on one monitor or maybe like a laptop or or even a laptop with just two little monitors hooked up to it, you, you're not going to see the difference until you shift over to like a six-monitor array. If, if you got six monitors and you can put up six currency charts on each one, 
Okay, you're looking at 36 pairs. So you now see pretty much the whole market. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't care about Huff or PLN or anything weird. I don't care about the Russian ruble. I'm not interested in Thai bot, you know. <laughs> so none of that stuff is important to me. I mean, there might be 90-something pairs. I'm only interested in the 30, 40 that are really highly traded. Nice. Okay, brilliant. Like that's answering my question around the the monitors and how that all works. So, so do you want to give the guys some insight into your trading style, and we'll go from there. We'll ask a few more yeah. questions around that. Get some stats as well. Okay. Well, trading style is pretty simple. <clears throat> Pardon me. Um, trading style is simple. Okay. I I look at it like this. I want to be a buyer. I want to buy stuff. I also want to sell stuff too. Okay. So I am searching for good things to buy. I'm also searching for good things to sell. I do it is like this. I want to buy at price points that make sense. So I'm looking for something to tank, to drop and rip and burn. I want it to crash, burn, be destroyed, fall. I love that. Okay. Buy the dips and sell the rips. I like to buy things that are are horribly down, but I don't want to just blatantly buy. I I need to find a signal. (laughs) So let's say that, uh, for instance, pound dollar is falling, I don't know, nine days in a row. Just keeps on crashing nine days down, and all of a sudden it hits some amazing support level. Uh, Maybe that support level is a major moving average that would help my my trading scoring system in my brain. You know, if I if I see pound fall for nine days and it hits great support and it puts in a daily buy and it hits a major moving average or a major fib, all my little check boxes go off in my head. I'm like, you know, that's pretty good. That's hitting a 786 fib. It's down nine days. Check. You know, it's hitting a 200 MA. Check. You know, I, I want to see something to tell me to buy it. So if I'm if I'm looking at a daily chart, I want that daily buy signal to show me that the market has rejected this. It's too much. It's too far. It's already burned south 500 pips and now buyers are stepping up to the plate and they're scooping it up I, and that will make me think okay in the next bunch of days the pound is probably likely to go higher after a daily buy comes in and it's the same thing with like an hourly buy too or perhaps an hourly sell so let's say that euro australia is just smoking to the heavens 60 like it did two days ago and that, that's a major psychological level. And I, I'll look at that chart and I'll say, wow, that daily candle is up days of down movement in one day, right? Uh, and, it, and it's up hundreds of pips. And now the chart is putting in a four-hour sell. I'm like, you know, I, I, get, I get happy when I see that. So I'm trying to find those four-hour sells, those four-hour buy signals, or, you know, if I'm on lower time frames, I'm – you know (laughs) i'm equally it's it's equal opportunity for all okay if it's given me a one hour sell signal or a one hour buy signal i'm interested in that too and you know i'm interested in 15 minute charts it does it's not like any one time frame rules me you know or uh, i mean i know that the daily charts rule the market this is true a lot of traders will really focus on their daily but just as much as they do that, you know, most smart traders are heavily focused on one-hour and four-hour charts. 
You know, they want to see how many bars up, you know, where is it hitting? How is the shortening of the bars, the bar getting really tight, you know, uh, like compared to the first 12 bars that were really expansive or really wide. And all of a sudden the four hour bars are getting super narrow and they don't even, they don't even move 20 pips in a four hour bar. Well, you know that the buyers are drying up and the short squeeze is getting over, you know. So I'm just interested in, in all the charts, all the time frames. And personally, I'll trade them all. I, and I have no issue with that. Uh, to me, it makes no difference. I, I can trade a one minute or a five minute the same as I can trade a 15. So the, my mixture is scalping. Say one third of the day might be scalping. Another third of the day might be um, intraday position trades. For instance, I might be looking for... Um, <clears throat> you know, like a, a beautiful 15-minute buy, sell on some pair, okay? And then in other type things, I'll be looking for the one hour and above. Okay, so it's quite varied in terms of your time frames and stuff. Um, and so, and you could be in and out of trades within the day or you could be letting them run across multiple days. I mean, what... <sighs> How can I? Uh, how many? I'm not going to ask what your average trade duration is because it sounds like it's all over the place. But what about your? Um, how many trades would you be managing at one time, from a maximum? Well, let's see. Right now, I currently have one, two, three, four. Got twenty open trades. <laughs> oh my lord, that's a little. I guess I'm getting a little bit heavy right there. <laughs> I do. I do have twenty open trades. Yeah, at the current moment. Yeah. <clears throat> yep. And, and what does your risk so, to reward um, look like on those? on any trade that you take or, or do you have varying risk to reward ratios that you look for? Yeah, see, that's a, that's a hard concept. It's almost like a newbie thing. You know, people are, are so often wanting to know you, what, what is my entry? What is my stop? Uh, you know, what is my RR, you know, risk to reward? And, and a lot of people put that on and they're like, okay, I want one unit of risk and I'm looking for four units of reward. I don't, I don't really do that anymore. You know, um, I, I don't look at stuff like that and say my stop loss level and, and I'm going to go ahead and take my hit right here. Uh, I, and the way I, I get out of that these days, and I, and I really like this, and I know this may be very hard for a lot of people to wrap their head around, okay, I, I understand. But I break my trade size up so small, all fear is gone. I, I no longer have any fear or any care or any concern about what happens. So in the old days, I used to put in really big size, right? I mean, it'd be, you know, one standard, five standards, 10 standards, whatever. I mean, it would, it would be heavy. And, and at that point, it, I believe, this is just me, I believe that it brings a lot of fear. And, you know, it's hard to push the button because you really want to be right and you really kind of need to be right. And if you're putting on 10 standards, and something rips against you by 50 pips, my God, you're going to lose $5,000. I mean, who, wa who wants that? You know, nobody wants that. So with that kind of a trading system, if you're going to throw five standards on, yeah, you pretty much need to be right. And uh, you're having a really hard time pushing the button. And yeah, you're looking for a stop loss, you know. And then you have trouble sleeping at night, wondering where you're, did I get stopped out? Or, you know, you don't know what's happening when you're, when you're sleeping. It causes a lot of nerves, you know. So the way I look at things these days is I breathe very, very easy because I will slice all my trades up into just tiny little bullets, real small. For instance, I'll just give you an example. Um, 
which I know I'm, I can't share my screen with screen with you right now, but uh, I will um, tell you about this trade. Uh, just a couple of days ago, you saw the Euro Australia, and it went up like mad. I mean, it really, really shot up. And everybody was buying. And in one day, it literally ate up eight days' worth of movement in one day. We were near 160. Now, when I started to short that, um, we were somewhere around the price point of uh, 180, wait a minute, 150, let me get the screen up here. It was 159.85 is where I started shorting, okay? So I added into it. And I added six bullets as it went up. The reason for my trade was based on the daily chart, the four-hour chart, and the one-hour chart. I my trades on the five-minute time frame. And I'm, I'm looking for bursts. I wanted it to burst to the north really hard and, uh, you know, to give me some kind of a one-minute sell or a five-minute sell. It was, like, it was like trying to, you know, capture the... the... So... By the time it finally fizzled out, um, we were into it, especially our, our extra bullets were put in around 160, 12, right around there. And it just never went higher than, uh, I think, 160, 20. And at that time, I had six bullets into the trade. So I was negative a little bit. You know, I don't know how much. It might have been, a, you know, $100 or more, but I don't, I don't think it was more. And, and these bullet sizes are really small, more, but I didn't. Stay, it just crashes and burns. I mean, it just comes right back. You know, the hourly chart worked its way down wonderfully, and all my negativity went away, and, you know, it, it fell right down into the moving averages on the hourly chart. We made a lot of money. I got out. I got out too soon. Falling, you know, and I wish I kind of wish I could show my screen to you. It would be That's so right. much better. Well, well, maybe we'll jump on a little, it, little but... video and afterwards and, and see if we yeah. can see that move there and, and talk about yeah. it on screen. That'd be actually quite good. Hey, um, so okay, yeah. cool. What about what about winning percentages then? So with all these sort of micro trades, are you talking about um a high win rate or yeah. a yeah, moderate win rate? Yeah, let's talk about that. So. Basically, out of every 1,000 trades or, or every 10,000 trades that somebody's going to make in a month, right? You know, I figure I'm probably right, uh, I'm going to guess about 70% of the time on average, okay? So that would be, you know, I, I put a trade on, it, it doesn't move against me. It just goes right where I want it to go of time, and I get to book the trade and take the money away from the market. But then there's this other 30% of time where it doesn't work out just like that, okay? And there's many different ways it can go. So let's talk about those 30% of times that you're wrong. How wrong are you? What does it last for? Okay, there are times that I'm wrong, but I'm only temporarily wrong. For instance, U.S.-Canada, um, Friday, it fell pretty badly, and um, I really wanted to have it long, so I bought a couple of pieces. Morning, I saw a 15-minute buy happening, and I tried to get in, but then I 
pulled, you know, I thought I was being smart and I figured, well, I'll bid for it. I'll, I'll bid five pips under the market and surely the one minute chart will come back and, you know, fill me. Well, wrong. <laughs> market makers never came back down, never got my third bullet. And the thing just took off running like crazy. And, and U.S. Canada has been up for hours, you know, and, and uh, all I had was two bullets and never even had a third one. So, um, so the, the issue there is I was wrong on the trade on entry number one, okay, I'm wrong on entry number two, bit of drawdown, not much, you know, I don't know, $20 or something. I never even got my bullet number three, and then it just took off running, and and it went away, and I got profit, and, and I got out. So being wrong is, is not such a bad thing if it's temporary, but then there's other times that you can be wrong and you're wrong for a really long time. And that is not a, a joy. Um, and, and I'll give you a, an instance of that one. Uh, actually, let me count them. Hold on one minute here. It's uh, one, two, three, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Okay. So about 10 days ago, approximately maybe 11, even I started shorting us Swissy. Swissy was up really high on the daily chart. We're smacking into resistance and every time it popped, I'm whacking it, you know, and I don't know how many bullets I had. It might have only been five or six, but I'm short for two weeks, okay, because I, I, I was in the trade for, I'm, I'm quite sure I was short for 10 days, right? But I'm only temporarily wrong. And when I kept looking at the daily chart, I was like, you know, I don't understand why it's not moving. It really should be crashing. I don't understand why it's not going down. And I was irritated, aggravated, frustrated, whatever you, know, whatever you want to say. And, you know, but at that point, there's nothing I could do. It was it was kind of like a swing trade to me. I just had to, to stop my griping and complaining and moaning about it because a watched pot never boils. And I just kept watching it every day. And I'm hungry, you know, I want to eat it, but it, but it wouldn't boil over. And it finally, it started to go. And when it started moving, I, you know, I got happy and I, I held on. And so, you know, the rest is history. It came down a bunch of days ago, hit support, and I, I took everything off. But my original bullet, the very first bullet that I shorted, like, on it, you know, that trade did not make money. But bullets number two through six, they all did. They all paid me. And they, you know, the that was the only of... trade I took because I actually traded it multiple times during those 10 days. Okay. Time that it would pop, I would short it. Every time it would fall, I would cover it. But I had a core. I, I don't know if that makes sense. Yeah, it does. And I, I mean, it would be probably easier for us to see on a chart. But um, what the question I've got for you is, so, so where, where do you typically put your stop loss then? Well, I, I don't very often. Um, I, I really don't use stop losses, but maybe 5% of the time. And if I'm going to use one, okay, there's got to be a reason for it. And and uh, I really hate to have it if I don't have to have it. I'd rather work my way out of the trade if it went bad on me. Um, but sometimes, you know, that can be a real pain. You know, um, I'll give you a great example. It's about maybe two years ago, I was in some U.S. Japan and I was long a whole bunch of it, and uh, I was down, I, I think I was down something like 1500 bucks or 2000 bucks. Okay, it was, it was terrible. I, I was not doing well on U.S.-Japan. And I worked the trade for two weeks, 
And I kept, you know, taking profits and reaching in, washing away micro losses of loss. And it took so much work. I was so burnt out by the end of the two weeks. I think I turned my $2,000 loss into maybe a $500 win, but it wore me to pieces. It wore me out so badly. I didn't even want to trade it again. And then U.S. Japan took off running, went to the north and soared hundreds of pips. And I never even got back in. <laughs> I never traded it again. I don't know what to say. It just it just wore me out, man. I, I couldn't deal with it anymore. Mentally, I was exhausted, you know? I was like, forget it. Just go to the moon without me. I'm like, that's fine. I don't even care. I just I just didn't want to touch it, you know? Oh, uh, so, I, you know, that, that's kind of the way it is. I, I, another great example of a, of a terrible trade, but one that made, made us a lot of money, is the U.S. dollar MXN. Um, going back, I think this was probably, yeah, let's see here. We're, we're talking mm, good 10 weeks ago, maybe. So let, me, let me see. I don't want to count all these bars. Probably 10 weeks back. Uh, we were short on MXN, U.S. dollar MXN for 50. 50. 50. Okay, sorry. No, I know most I people you cut out there. 50 for 50. Zero. We we were short for fifty trading days. All right. Oh, I think it is. Okay. Yeah, I think I might have just lost my internet. I don't know. I hope my kid's not downloading something. <laughs> so, yeah. So we literally traded MXN to the short side every single day for two months and an extra week, and we just kept hitting it, hitting it, hitting it. And every time that it would climb and it would put in a five or a fifteen minute sell, we would whack it. And we would let it fall, and, and then we would cover it, and we just kept doing it. And because we were looking at a, um, you know, a daily bearish harmonic with a, a certain B target that we thought that we would get to, but the thing didn't go there right away. It took two and a half months to go there. The target, we were all exhausted, and we all got out of it. And then it just kept on going. It went down. It just kept going. <laughs> and, and it went even lower, you know. So, yeah, some trades can be very um, exasperating, I guess would be the right word. And so, what? So, I mean, uh, the, you know, it sounds like you've taken some mammoth trades here. I mean, it, what, what sort of number of pips are you, are you looking to gain from a, from a typical trade? Okay, well, when you say mammoth trades, that, that's, that's the point where it, I'm not really in it for mammoth trades. Um, on a $10,000 account, breaking everything up into little tiny bullets of 0 0.05, on any given day, I might have two or three bullets of one currency. I might have five bullets of another. Spread around on maybe a dozen pairs. But if I look at what I have in use, uh, you know, my actual margin in use, I'm only at like maybe one-eighth of my entire power is being spent. And I, and I have so much margin available. It isn't even funny. You know, it's it's crazy when you look at the pie chart, you know, um, it's it's just crazy how much it's left. Um, so a lot of people, I think, you know, they go into their, um, you know, their terminal and they'll hit their exposure level and they'll be at 50% or a quarter percent of all available margin. Now, I don't even think I have one-tenth on at this point. Um, so now what kind of pips am I looking for? Well, Trades, it's, it's different things. So if, if I'm looking at, say, a one-minute chart, today we traded the euro short a couple of times. We got eight pips here and ten pips there, and it just, it just you know, it was a slow Monday, and it, it 
there was there was no news, so it, it didn't really move very far. You know, I, I might make somewhere between six to ten pips on a scalp trade on a one-minute chart. Uh, we shorted pound a couple of times. I, I think occasionally we got as high as twelve pips. Um, with say five-minute charts and and good runs, like a good-looking run, um, you might get something like forty. For for instance, today we were long on the pound New Zealand, pretty pretty much in the lows, very very close to the low of the day, and when it finally took off. And it went up. Um, I remember it moving up something like 41 pips. And I was telling everybody, okay, I'm, re- I'm raising my, my in-the-money stop loss up underneath this five-minute bar, and I'm locking in 41 pips. But remember, you just told the market makers where you're willing to trade. So yeah. they, uh, they yeah. right down and hit. You know, and I, but I got profit. It wasn't a loss. I stopped out for 41 pips of, of gain. But it took all day to get there. Um, I was long Euro Canada today, and you know, if you look at the lows on Euro Canada, it was one forty nine forties, and we've moved up now higher. But you know, it took all day to do that. So it, it just depends what time frame you're on, and, and how much you're expecting it to go in, in your your is your patience level willing to afford you i guess would be the better answer for instance us mxn today we were long and we got long on the red bars that it fell it was crashing from 1910 it fell all the way down to 1901 uh, i had seven bullets long the news came out today on MXN and it shot that thing up to 1924. I watched it go, go, go like crazy. And as soon as I, I saw that monstrous five minute sell, I hit every single bullet, bam, bam, bam. It gave me everything I needed for the whole day. You know, I, I'm looking at my trade score right now. It says 1.4% is what I booked. XN, I only had like point, um, three or point four percent i had almost no gains at all uh for the day and i was just waiting for this thing to move up to give me my daily take you know and okay so so do you i mean i want to know if you have a daily sort of percentage target that you look for um Uh, oh absolutely sure yeah yes i I do i want to get at least one percent a day i'm not happy if if i don't get one percent then i feel pretty bad about it okay okay cool but there are often days that, that we will have that are slightly under that. Like we might have 0.6%, uh, 0.6% I'm sorry, um, or 0.78%. It falls underneath one. It'll make me a little bit, I don't want to say mad, but I'm uh, usually not like the happiest mood. <laughs> you know, it, it does affect me. I'm human. I, I can't help it. Um, but any day that I get over 1%, my happiness level jumps. I feel pretty good. And if I do 1.6, I'm very happy because that's really my target. I, I want to average 1.6 a day. And I figure, you know, that's only 160 pips. It's not a big deal. should be able to do that every day. It shouldn't, you know, really be a big issue, you know. Cool. Okay, well, look, um, well, we, we've got through question one. And two, so we're forty-two minutes into the oh. interview. I think I now really, oh, no. I now realise why, um, why you said really you're going to do this in an hour. Um, so 
what, Sorry. Oh my god. No, that's all right. That's okay. that's all right. What we'll do is because I know oh. I, I, I well, I'm going to have to leave soon anyway. But what we'll do is I think we'll go into the technical or the quick fire round. I call it the quick fire round, and and go through some of those because that actually does take a a bit of time. We got like uh, we've got another fifteen. So let's let's um let's go into that that's now. Cool. And see if we can rip through some, and then obviously linger on a few others because some of them can warrant a, a, a longer answer. And look, I think we'll probably have to get you back on the show and go through some of the other stuff. Um, so, look, first question is: How long did it take you to go from trading newbie to consistently profitable? Newbie to consistently profitable in the forex market or the stock market? Um, let's just go. Uh, we actually do both. Okay, in stocks, it took me about a year and a half. I had a lot of help, a ton of help. In Forex, it took me uh, about four years. I had this massive learning curve from 06 to 2010 and really nobody to help me, and I, I had no mentor. So, yeah. What's your mental approach to trading, and do you have any spe- special techniques you can share with us? Mental approach. Um, relax. Trade so small that you don't have any fear. You remove all fear, all anxiety. Breathe and relax, knowing that the market is a giant oscillator, and sometimes you will be wrong, but you're only temporarily wrong, and time heals all wounds. It will eventually come back. If you're trading too big, you're going to hurt yourself mentally. You won't be able to handle it. If you're trading small enough, you can relax and handle it. What was the second part of that question? Uh, Strategy? Any any special like techniques or hacks that you've got that you either share with your your, your own um, students or well to buy things that are uh, brutally underneath a, a certain level. Like if I can see that somebody else's stops have been hit, I kind of get happy. I, I know that's. If I see somebody else's stops are hit on a short side, I get happy. So I I look at daily charts. I find out where their stops are, or I'm looking at four-hour charts. I try and find out where everybody's stops are located. And I hate to say it, but I kind of like to see somebody else get cremated first before I take the other side. I know that sounds evil, but that's what the market makers do. So I'm just riding their coattails, so don't hate me, okay? I'm I'm sorry. I know. What's your? What's I know that's bad. I know that's. <laughs> well, I suppose that's what it is. That's the whole game is competitive, right? It's, you know, you you want to. Yeah, yeah. You're competing against everyone else. Um, what's your favorite entry setup? A favorite entry setup is uh, basically just a buy signal. Just you know, give me a beautiful one hour bar or a one hour sell bar that you know c- completely engulfs or or pierces into the other one. And, and gives me a you know a sell or a buy signal. I, I like that right there. And if I had to use the stop loss, it would be on the other side of the bar. So let's say that you're down nine bars in a row, and all of a sudden you have a big screaming fat green bar, and it takes out the high of you know the previous bar. You know, and I, I have to go long. My stop would be five or ten pips underneath the previous bar, and then. I would just like to wait, you know, five, six, seven hours and see what happens on the other side, you know, because that's the way the market works, you know. Uh, so I, I just like to buy stuff and mix it with patience. What strategies do you use to exit or manage your active trades? Strategies to manage. If I am wrong or temporarily wrong, I'm looking to lightly add into that trade, but I don't want to just pile in like Martingale. 
I'm not going to just sit there and say, okay, every 10 pips I'm going to go long or every 10 pips I'm going to go short. That's stupid. And I can't just keep piling into it like a madman because, I mean, at some point you're, you're going to be like, oh, my God, I'm down $500. You, you can't do that. So my strategy for it would be dip my toe in the water. I'm hunting for ads and I'm going to be real patient with it. And I, and I really want to pay attention, and I really want to make sure that I get the best entries I possibly can, and I'll try really hard not to go over a certain level. So, you know, if I have to go over five or six bullets, I start to get nervous. Um, what was the other part of that question? Um, how do you manage, like, active trades? So what about, like, manage. yeah. There if- we go. Okay, management. So let's say uh, all of a sudden you get a beautiful 15-minute sell. You get short. The thing just falls apart. One hour later, it's down 45 pips, okay? You're sitting on a profit, and what are you going to do? Let's say you had two bullets, right, and you're short, and it's, it's down 45 pips. I will take one off. As soon as I see it stall and give any kind of a five-minute buy signal, I'm out. I'll take one off. Then I take the other one, and I'll move the stop loss to, like, positive – and I'll just let it run. Oh, you, you cut out there. You, po- you said positive and then it cut out. I couldn't hear that last bit. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, a positive one pip. Okay. So um, let's say, you know, uh, i got to have to think of an example. Um, I'm just looking around today. It's not the best day <laughs> for examples. But, uh, okay, so let's say U.S. Canada today, right? It's putting in a 15-minute buy signal and it's coming up and you're long two bullets. And then you see a five-minute sell. Why not book one of them, take some money, put the other trade at a positive one pip, stop loss. So the worst thing in the world that happens is it comes down, it stops you out, and you made one lousy pip. You'll often be more pleased to find that as the day moves along, it goes higher than you ever thought. Very impatient. They'll get out of a trade, and they're like, oh, wow, I took... 40 and look at it it moved 100 oh gee i guess i should have stayed you know and that doesn't feel good (laughs) and at what point would you go look that's enough or is it your percentage targets hit and you go okay well now i can exit i've made well 1.6 percent oh no 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 i never do that never 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 i I will push it for all it's worth days where we hit 1000 pips literally last week i hit 1100 uh, I think it was Friday. No, was this Thursday? Hold on a minute here. It was that. I hit uh, 1,119. Uh, let's see, 221. What day was that? 221. Um, That was Thursday. Yeah, so no. <laughs> I will not stop. If the day is fantastic, I will push like mad. Right. And that day paid up three point six two percent. It was amazing. Oh, wow. Okay. So so um so the so the point you would exit finally exit the trade is would it be based on like a, a strong selling signal on the same time frame or something like that or or opposing signal? Um. Yeah, an opposing signal. Yeah. Exactly. Um. So if something ran up a hundred pips and it was you know eight bars up on an hourly chart and all of a sudden it stalls and starts to make an hourly sell, I'm just like I'm gone. That's it. Bye bye. Yeah. <laughs> I leave. Cool. Okay. So um, the next question is, what's your recommended trading book? Wow. Um. Gosh, that's a hard one. 
there's a lot of books out there. I mean, on my website, I've got like a 10 book recommended list. Um, so I, I don't think any one book is going to do it. But I'll, I can tell you, one of my favorites of all times is the Jesse Livermore um, Reminiscences of a Stock Operator. I think I think that book is excellent. I read it five times in the first six years, and I just listened to it on audiobook uh, last week. Again, all 24 chapters. I loved it. It was it was brilliant. And why why do you like it so much? I'm going to ask the question because a lot of people recommend oh. that book. <laughs> well, you know, it's not just informative, okay, which which it is, but it's also entertaining. But boy, the information and his insight into uh, the way he thought and the way he felt and all the oh man the God, it's so good. I mean, you can see analogies to the bucket shops of old to the bucket shop brokers of today. You know, you, you look at how many Forex brokers are. There's thousands of them out there. They're not all good. <laughs> There's a lot of bucket shop brokers out there, and they're counting on suckers. And I forget which chapter it was. Somewhere between chapter 20 and 24 is where he talked about suckers, you know. And I really feel like a lot of Forex traders, and I don't, I don't mean to be rude. I'm not trying to be mean or anything. But I feel like a lot of them are, you know, they, they, a lot of stuff on hope and fear and greed and just all kinds of mixture of weird wackiness. I don't know. It just, ah. and, and I feel like the brokers just take advantage of, of people that, you know, don't know when to stop or, you know, rent revenge trading or, you know, whatever. There's a lot of people that do a lot of things they probably shouldn't, you know, they just trade wrong. If there was one thing you could recommend any retail trader spend the next month mastering, what would it be, why, and how could they go about mastering it? Wow. Um, mastering. I would have to say the number one thing would be to master, and there's no other way you're going to do it than having multiple monitors. I'm sorry, but it really is like Superman. It really is like going from darkness to light you're putting on a pair of glasses and all of a sudden you can see it's incredible those that they're blind until they all of a sudden get their sight and it's working off of just one or two monitors they can't see anything they don't know it they think they can but they can't and as soon as they get themselves a four or six monitor array and have arranged all their charts now, some people, you know, it takes a month, and some people it takes two. But that would be my number one all-time pointer is get yourself four monitors or six monitors. up And just kick back and do not push a button. Don't even trade. Forget about it. <laughs> just watch the flow. Watch the way it moves up and down all day long together and think about it. You have to. You can't just watch. You have to engage the brain, too and think at this level cool okay uh why did it just run here big wick right there and it just it went up and now it's crashing like 25 points why is that wick there you know somebody got stopped out see and and the more that you can watch that the better you're gonna get it's it's amazing it's like night and day what's your preferred broker and trading platform Preferred broker. Um, I really loved Pepperstone. I thought they were great. I've seen them do amazing things when they didn't even have to. I saw somebody once have some very bad losses that wasn't their problem. They wrote to Pepperstone and complained. They made it all good. I personally was with Pepperstone once 
and I would love to be with them now. I was with them for nine months. I had uh, Raptor Trading International was my um, uh, corporate name. I was with them, but I had a banker in Belize completely and totally screw me over. I hope I can say that on yeah. there. And uh, so I had to let go of Pepperstone. And when I wrote them and said, look, I've got a real problem. These people are stealing my money. I cannot, ex- I cannot have you shove my money into that account. They said, okay, we will this one time do this for you and take all your money and shove it into your personal account. They did not have to do that. They could have capsized me for six months and made me travel the world looking for a new, you know, yeah. a new place to, to get a bank. But they gave it they gave me the money anyway. So it was it was really nice to have them do that. Um the the brokers, they're kind of like a catch twenty two. They're they're not they're not evil. We need they're a necessary evil. We need them, but they need us. You see, they need our commissions and our rollover. And they make money off of us, right? But the bankers are kind of in league with them. So I just, the broker's never your friend. I'm sorry, but uh, they're just not. What about your trading platform? What trading platform do you use? I use MT4 just because it's very simple. Um, I'm, I'm very good at it. I, I know it so well. I know it so thoroughly. Uh, I like CTrader. I did I did use CTrader for a while. And I, I think I could have adjusted to that. That would have been okay. Okay, if you could leave... Uh, MT4. MT4, that's cool, that's cool. So um, if you could leave our listeners with one piece of advice, what would it be? Advice, trade small. Trade way smaller than you ever think you need to. Because one day there's a black swan going to come along and you're going to have a flash crash on the second or the third day of um, January and everything's going to fall 500 pips in 10 minutes and you're dead. If you don't, <laughs> if you don't trade small, you're dead. The black swan kills you. You remember SNB, right? 800 pip. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I saw this the second of uh, the year, January. Um, we spoke about that in the last episode. Few years ago, the, oh, the Swiss right. National. Oh Bank yeah, 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 Club. yeah. That was yeah, yeah, yeah. But we're decimated. So yeah. <laughs> um, okay, cool. Well, look, uh, Michael, we got the last question of the show here before we wrap up. So this question is a bit of a doozy. We'd like you to give us the bones of a full trading strategy, the entry setup, stop loss, take profit targets, market time frame, basically something that our listeners can try it at home. What have you got for us? Wow. Okay, that is a mouthful. Oh my God. Um, geez, I, and how do I put that out in five minutes? <laughs> well, you've actually only got three minutes. So how are you, how are you going to do it in three? <laughs> um, what we might, I mean, if, if, you, if it's going to be too hard, maybe that maybe we could jump on the on the YouTube video, put it on the channel, and, and do something up there if that's going to be easier. Uh, we can do this. We can do this. Okay, cool. Forget the time frame. Okay. Forget whether it's a five minute chart or a 15 minute chart or an hourly chart or a four hour chart. Okay. None of that matters. Just, just totally forget the time frame. The natural flow of the market is to move up and down. That's it. Sideways sucks. Nobody makes any money sideways. Okay. Not even the market makers are really making any money when it's just going sideways. So what you would like to see bar move in one direction. Remember, it doesn't matter if it's five minutes, 15 minutes, or one hour. I don't care. I'm how, looking at right that? now. I'm how many bars was that? The number cut out. Was it a 12 bar move? 
Uh, no, just a whole bunch of bars. A okay, whole bunch, a whole bunch of, of bars. Like, yeah. I'm looking at Euro right now. I'm looking at a Euro 15-minute chart. I see 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12. I see 12 bars up, okay? On a 15-minute chart, Euro is currently up 12 bars. And I do see a 15-minute sell. It's red. And it has fallen about two bars since, okay? So my stop loss would be above the double high. Uh, currently, which is around one today, this day, it's around maybe 113.70. Okay, we'll, we'll add a couple of pips and say your stop loss is 113.70. Now, you want Euro to continue because it has a 15-minute sell bar. You want to see it go down, down, down. And every bar down, you should lower your in-the-money stop loss and keep on doing it until all of a sudden, lo and behold, puts in a 15-minute buy, knocks you out you're gone job done nice brilliant yes superb love it that's a great strategy um what i'll do is i'll mark up a chart with that on it and chuck it up on the show notes so the guys can can actually get a visual of it so i I can see it clearly in my head now michael before we wrap up what's the best way for the traders to get hold of you okay right on my website it's uh, michaelstorm.org o-r-g michael a blog there you know, all kinds of information there, everything. Superb. Look, um, thank you for coming on the show today, Michael. It's been an absolute pleasure. Uh, and it, listeners, everything we've discussed here, along with all the links, are going to be in the show notes. To find them, simply search for Michael in the search box on tradingnut.com. Until next time, I wish all my listeners trading happiness and success. All right, guys, hope you enjoyed that interview with Michael. Now, if you do want to check out the video I shot with him, where he actually walks through the trade setups we spoke about in the show, then head over to the YouTube channel for Trading Nut, or you can just head over to tradingnut.com and you'll find the video on his show notes. Now, if you're interested in building trading robots, remember, flick me an email and I'll get you access to my course. It's a 21-day course, and by the end of it, you'll be building your own trading robots like a pro. Now, if you don't want to build them, but you don't want to trade them, then... Yeah, head over to tradingnut.com, search up the Robot Traders Club, and I do a monthly club where you've got access to trading robots that I generate every month. Okay, guys, um, if I don't see you in Malaysia in, my, in the next couple of days, then um, or if I don't see anyone there and nobody comes back to me, then I'll have a great trading week, and I'll catch you on the airwaves next week.